From KCRW, this is Nocturne. My name is Simon. I'm 24 years old. I live in Switzerland, in the county of Bern. And we have this river. It's flowing from a really small stream and it goes until the border of Switzerland, where it flows into the Rhine. And the Rhine flows up until to Germany and flows into the sea. And our river is called Aare. So usually people flow down from the city of Thun to the capital, which is Bern. And the distance is nearly 30 kilometers. We started going at the age of 15, 16 maybe. This was the age where we started to flow down the river. And for the next five years, maybe we would definitely go three, four times every year. There are almost is, is a case of some people dying in the river because while it looks really slow and, and cold and relaxing, it's quite fast and it has a strong current. So if you're not an experienced swimmer, you might be surprised by the fact how, how strong the current is. And there are also some people that put together their boats. So they, they use a rope and they connect their boats so they don't float apart. And there are a lot of bridges. And sometimes if people don't look out, one boat goes on one side of the pillar and the other boat on the other side and then the boats will drown and people sometimes too. More from Nocturne in a moment. I'm Warren Alney. On To The Point, if America ever used its thousands of nuclear weapons, it would be suicidal. In a nuclear war, there could be no winners. Everybody is a loser. All of civilization is at stake. We've known that for 75 years, but our weapons of mass destruction are still on hair-trigger alert, and just one man, President Trump, has the power to push the button. Is it finally time to make the world safer? On our To The Point podcast. Listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. A walk through a park, an urban rooftop, a forest trail. One thing in broad daylight, entirely another after nightfall. A familiar space in the day may or may not be suffused with an aura of mystery, danger, freedom, or peace. But one or more of these qualities is almost sure to arrive after the sun is gone and the detail and the edges blur, transforming a familiar place into something foreign and ripe with possibility, or rich with foreboding, or both. So in Switzerland, we have quite uh, uh, comfortable train connections, and it's very easy. When you arrive in the capital, Bern, it's uh, maybe 10 minutes walk from the river 
to the train station and then you just hop on the train and it's two stops back to Thun and then you're back where you started. And from Thun there is a, a bus driving to, to a place called Schwabis and that's where most of the people start flowing down the river. So when you look behind yourself, imagine you're sitting on a boat, you can see the, the Alps, the mountains. You can't see any glaciers, but you most certainly can see some snow. And on the sides of the river, there is a lot of forests, sometimes high cliffs of stone. There are a lot of villages alongside the river and you very often have some sort of swimming places and a lot of bridges where people jump from the bridge into the river. So the color of the water is really green, I think. Something between blue and green. And it's very noisy. If you put your head below the, the surface, you can hear a lot of the stones making noise because they're there are always stones rolling around in the river. And there are some parts where there are a lot of, of waves of currents. But it's not like a wave on the sea. The waves are not traveling across the river. There are just some big stones and the water is flowing over the stone. It's stationary. There is also a weir or waterfall. Maybe a quarter of the distance there is a big weir where the river is going down two three meters maybe and there are a lot of, of currents there and it's actually quite dangerous to uh, fall out of the boat there or if you have too much water in the boat you might tip over and there are definitely people that have died there in the past so you sit in an inflatable boat and it heavily depends if there are four, three places, then it would be a small boat. Or if it's a bigger one, then you have six persons in a boat. There are some waves and currents and the difference it makes if you have a small boat is extraordinary. Because if you're sitting in a small boat, you get a lot of water into your boat because the waves and currents are, let's say, at this very height of your boat. It really got mainstream during the last few years. So there are a lot of people drinking beers, drinking alcohol, building crazy boats. So I saw some people having really big boats with uh, barbecues on them. <laughs> or uh, having big loudspeakers. There were some attempts to set a world record to have the most people at the same time in boats on the river. And I think the world record is somewhere around a few thousand people. But I would say during the summer months, if you go into the river, there are a lot of people, but th that can change drastically when you're going late in the evening, early in the morning, or at night. I like about flowing down the river that there are no distractions. 
you can't distract yourself with a phone. Well, well, you can, but most people don't take their phones on the journey. And you just have to enjoy the, the peace, nature and silence if there is any around you. There are a few difficult sections. So the first one, it starts off really fast when you enter in tune and there are a lot of waves and then there is this weir that I talked about before and when you continue further down there are some some sectors where it's more dangerous but not that much as before. What is special about the lower sectors though is there are a lot of curves so the river makes turns to the right to the left and you have to take care that you stay in the middle of it because when you drift out too far you touch the rocks you can tip over and that's what happened to me and a friend of mine before so we were in a curve and we drifted too far to the right and we turned around tipping over and with one hand I hold his backpack and with the other one the, the boat and we went like this through some waves and I scrapped my whole front on the rocks and I honestly I was lucky that I didn't get seriously hurt. So I went on a hike on this day with two friends. One is Toby and the other one is Bootsy. And we are pretty much childhood friends. It was in the beginning of September, so it was late summer and we had about one or two weeks left before our studies would start again. Six o'clock maybe, in the evening. We were on the train on our way back home and we were kind of sad that the day was coming to an end. So we thought, well, why don't we go down the river now? Because we have never done this before. The train takes 20 minutes. And within this time frame, we organized everything. We organized the boat, we organized where we would eat, we organized that the father of the one friend would bring us to Schwabis so we could enter the river. So it was really a quick decision. <laughs> I picked up my swimsuit and a barrel. We used the barrel to put in some towels and dry clothes. So you can close it and connect it to the boat and usually when you arrive in Bern the things are still dry inside. Apart from that, we packed in some headlights and some sweaters because it would be cold. <laughs> we didn't wear any life preservers because I don't own one. And it's not a lot of help, I think, in my opinion. It's more important that you know the river well, that you know what the danger is. Because if you can't swim, you shouldn't go down this river at all. It must have been somewhat after uh, 7.30. That was the time where we went into the river. It was a hot summer night. We thought it was a crazy idea, but at the same time, we were sure that by the time we would arrive in, in Bern, that we would still have some daylight from the sunset. We didn't think it was especially dangerous or something. Although to this day I have never talked with anybody who went down when it was dark. If you take care, it's not dangerous, but if you close your eyes, it's dangerous. 
My girlfriend, she thought it was a stupid idea. So I had to promise to her that I would message her as soon as we arrived in Bern. So the sun was about to go down. And by the time we went in, it was a, a lot of adrenaline rush. And we were like, yeah, guys, we're in for an adventure. And then we started to go down. In Thun, there are some gates where they can open the gates as a help so that the river doesn't overflow. And when we came by this river, we realized that the river, Zulk, it came into the Ara at an even height, which meant that there was an insane amount of water in the Ara. I knew that sometimes at the evening they open up the gates because at the night nobody is supposed to be on the river, but I was kind of panicking because we went down the river a lot and the amount of water, it varies a lot, but I, I've never experienced something like this. I realized at this time that the water was extremely high and that I haven't seen it that high when I was on the river. We didn't see anybody at all and actually we were afraid of seeing anybody because maybe people were thinking that we are in danger we were afraid that they maybe they would call the police and then we would get in trouble. Our boat was a small one with only three places and it was also not a normal inflatable boat but more like a canoe. So it was more prone to tipping over because they are not as wide as normal inflatable boats. I was at the front of the boat and Toby, he was in the middle and Bootsy, he was sitting at the back of it. In the beginning, the river is extremely fast because it, there are a lot of uh, buildings and concrete besides the river. So it's not as wide, which makes it extremely fast. After maybe 10 or 15 minutes, you come by another river which is called Zulk. So the Zulk is flowing into the Aare. And the Zulk flows into the Aare at the drop or waterfall. And you can hear the big drop coming closer and closer because it sounds like a thunderstorm. And you can hear coming closer because it rumbles. And when you arrive, at the big drop it's important that you go over it a little bit to the right because on the left side there are a lot of rocks big rocks that look out of the water and the currents are also more dangerous i remember it going extremely fast i told my two friends that i thought the water was way too high and i was afraid of the the weir of the big drop coming in because that's the most dangerous part. And I, at this moment, I didn't want to be part of this adventure anymore. So I voted to get out of the boat and swim to the side. Because at, at this time, you, you can't steer the boat to the, to the side. Well, you can, but you can't stop because there are some sharp rocks. And yeah, the best option would be jump out of the boat, swim to the side and get out. And that was, uh, that was my idea until a few meters before the big drop. 
and my f my friends they they were trying to call me down because uh, I'm known as the panicky guy sometimes. So <laughs> um, they were they were telling me chill down, relax, it will be all right. But I could I could feel that they were also afraid because it was a new situation, and they also realized that this was a lot of water. In my head, I was playing with the idea to just jump out and go despite of them trying to call me down, but I didn't do it. So usually at the big drop, which is called Utigenschwelle, there are a lot of people swimming there, putting their feet into the water and also looking out for people that go over the drop with their boats. And when we went down, obviously nobody was there. So that was an element that added to the adventure that we were on our own and we didn't have anybody that could help us in a situation of emergency. I was trying to remember what I should do if I got caught up in the currents, which is you shouldn't fight them, but just keep your breath and feel like a, a log of wood. So you will turn in circles, it, you will go down a few meters and then you will be spit out again at the surface. But if you fight against it, that's when you get tired and you die because the current, the current won't stop. But you have to wait so the current can turn you around once. So the drop is arriving and after a while you can see it. And at this point, the decision was made, okay, we would go over it. And I remember when we went over the drop, that it was extremely loud. But also extremely silent at the same time, because nobody of us was screaming or talking but we were just rowing as much as we could because there are a lot of currents that pull you back into the waterfall. We were just rowing as if our life depended on it. You realize after a few seconds if you succeeded or if you didn't and so there, the biggest emotion was this rush of success and adrenaline that we've made it over the drop without tipping over. And at the same time, I felt that this was a really stupid idea and that it was way too dangerous to do it. After a few seconds, you realize, okay, we have made it, we are out of the currents. And then by that point, we realized how, how wet we were because there were some waves coming over our boat and yeah, not filling it with water, but there was a good amount of water in our boat. So the next thing that happens is that we try to put away as much water from the boat back into the river because we realized that it would get extremely cold very soon. So we tried to get out a lot of water. We also had t-shirts and sweaters on, but they were completely drenched. So you just put them into the water and wring it out over the river. At this point, we thought, ah, from now on it's gonna be really easy because by the time we arrive in Bern there will still be some daylight from the sunset and it will be no problem at all. But after maybe let's say 15 minutes 
the sun went down and it got dark really fast because there are no buildings and no street lights on the river. The darkest part was between Thun and Bern, the capital, where it's on both sides there are forests and which completely filters out all the light. I experienced a lot of darkness on hikes and summer camps, but usually you can just switch on a light. But also our eyes were able to adjust to the darkness because after a while we would see more, still not a lot. And the moon was a half full moon, so there was some moonlight and the stars were there as well. And we put on our headlights and turned them on and we hoped that we would see better. But after a few seconds we turned them off again because the water and the waves, they would reflect the light and it would just blind your sight. So we just had to deal with it and use our other senses. So we would also try to hear if there are some stones or waves approaching. You could hear some sort of well, how a wave sounds. And then it's coming closer and getting louder. And then you realize that you're already past it and you didn't even see it at all. Usually when it's daytime, you just flow down the river and you can see 200, 300 meters. So you see every wave approaching from very far away already. And when it's nighttime, I remember laying on my stomach on the front of the boat and looking out for these waves and stones and I remember seeing one and then we had to row really fast to dodge it and then it's back to focusing for the next wave for the next zone and that went on for another hour which was extremely tiring but I didn't have any other choice. We tried to stay in the middle of the river the whole time because I didn't want to see any of the edge because seeing the edge would mean that we are too close to the edge of the river and we didn't want to tip over at this point because at night you, you can't really see each other when you fall out of the boat and you can't see any of the waves approaching you, you don't see anything which made it feel really dangerous because we were on this little boat floating down to an invisible goal and what we were most afraid of the whole time that we would tip over and lose each other and maybe drown so the whole time we try to look out for some things that we remember from the dozens of times we went down the river but we were completely disorientated there were a lot of small successes, uh, another wave passed, another stone passed, and with every minute, with every meter, we got closer to our goal, the capital. I think at this point, I didn't really enjoy it at all. I just wanted to get to the end and have succeeded at this adventure so I could tell a cool story. But I, at this moment, I didn't enjoy it at all, I think. And I was just hoping that we didn't meet any more dangerous places. We finally made it. We arrive in the capital. We get out. Now there's no danger anymore. 
And the first thing I did was um, I logged into Facebook and wrote a message to my girlfriend that we're still alive. It must have been maybe 10 o'clock, not too late, but it felt really late because we didn't really experience so much darkness before. So it felt a lot later than it actually was. We realized that, wow, we were really quick. It only took us one and a half, maybe two hours, and the normal time is three, three and a half hours, maybe even. We turned around the, the boat to put all the water out of it. We rolled it up and we put the boat on our shoulders and walked up to the train station. And I remember going to McDonald's and buying a McFlurry. A McFlurry is basically just a, a cup of ice cream with some crushed chocolate over it. And I don't remember why I bought a McFlurry because I was already cold. <laughs> but I, I bought an ice cream and I took it on the train with me. And then we went home again. It's one of my favorite stories to tell. Yeah, we went down the Arda at night because I, as I said before, I haven't found anybody that has done this before. And at the same time, I always tell other people, yeah, we've done that, but I will never do it. It was awesome, but I will never do it again. You've been listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. Nocturne is distributed by KCRW and also receives support from KCRW's Independent Producer Project, which is managed by Kristen Lepore. Thank you to Nick White. Hey, I want to let you know that there are some behind-the-scenes changes coming up for Nocturne, which could possibly affect whether episodes continue to download seamlessly. I really hope you don't notice anything at all, but if you don't see regular monthly episodes in your podcast player, please check, because we've got lots of great ones coming up, and I don't want you to miss any. You can find all kinds of information about the show at our website, nocturnpodcast.org. You can also connect with us there or at hello at nocturnpodcast.org. Till next time, thanks for listening.